Hey guys, welcome to Insight. I am Gino, your host, and I have my good friend, Jason. Jason, how are you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing good, my friend, better than I deserve. And I thanks again for being uh, with my brother. So it's good to be here. Amen. Uh, all right, guys, so we're going to get back into our Bible studies here. Tonight, we are going over Romans 6 and 7. Uh, we've been kind of on hiatus, a sabbatical, so to speak, for the last month. Jason's been traveling. Uh, I've had quite a few things going on myself, a little bit busy, but we're going to get back in the saddle tonight and get this thing rolling. So let me share my screen. And there it is. Romans 6. Can you see it, Jason? I can, if you could uh, scroll down a little bit, that would help me quite down? a bit. Okay. If, yes, like, right there is fine or even up a little bit more if you like. All right. Yeah, that's great. Cool. All right, let's get at it. All right. So what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried, we were buried, buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, dies no more death no longer has dominion over him for the death that he died he died to sin once for all but the life that he lives he lives to god likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead into sin but also to god in christ jesus our lord therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you shall that you should obey it in its lusts and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. We should probably go over those verses a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, I'd like to start here in, uh, with the baptism that Paul's writing about here. So um, <clears throat> when you look it up in the Greek, there's two words for baptism. There's, there's bapto and baptismo. And the word that's being used here is associated uh, baptismo with, um, in fact, the, the example they give here in uh, Thayer's uh, concordance, or lexicon, I'm sorry, um, it talks about, oops, can you hear that? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, there's um, some crackling going on or something. Um, oh, no, I didn't hear that. Okay. So um, it's it's talking about, they, they, they compare it to um, making a pickle, right? So you take a cucumber, you, you keep it in vinegar, and you let it, you let it um, soak, right, in the vinegar. 
basically until you eat it. So it's it's getting it's it's marinating in it. And so the word that's being used here, baptismo, is saying that we are in Jesus Christ. This isn't actually the water baptism he's talking about. He's talking about we are we have been baptized into him through faith. So we are we are submerged, so to speak, in him. And you know, the other baptism in water, we go, we go underwater and we come up a new creation, right? So we everything we die to flesh underwater and we come up a new creation in Christ. In this one, we're we're in Christ, and He's saying, "Remain there, stay there." That's where that's where our strength and our comfort and our and our spirit is renewed daily. That's where we we grow in our faith. So I just thought I think that's that's we have to understand that right to um, to get what Paul's saying here. Anything to add to that, bro? Uh, no, I mean you you hit it on the head. I mean it's it's something that we. Um, according to the word of God, it, it says that we have been united together in this, in the likeness of his death. So these things are all symbolic, but Paul is also explaining it to us to tell us to think and to be reckoned. That, that word reckon is, is saying to, uh, it's, it's the prefix of reconcile, right? So it's reckoned to think about it, to make it up in your mind, to be conscience of this uh conscious of this and that we don't forget it so he's just to reckon it these things we ought to think on and uh remember that we are dead to sin sin no longer has dominion over us now that doesn't mean i think we we talked about this in the last video but i guess it's worth talking about again because paul is continuing to reiterate it throughout uh you know romans 5 and 6 and quite a bit through all of Romans, actually, but um, we are not slaves, he's saying. So a slave is not bound in the screen just cut off, by the way. Oh, sorry. Going. Sorry. A slave is not bound to the master's way, right? If sin becomes our master, then it it, it rules us and, and guides us and, and uh, turns us to uh continual sin or habitual sin right but paul is actually saying here that we are freed from it since we've died in christ and it no longer has dominion and rule over us uh for us to have to obey it um as we've done and before we were renewed amen yeah verse 10 for the death that he died he died to sin once for all but the life that he lives he lives to god Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ, Jesus, our Lord. So, yeah, going under with the baptism is, is symbolism of him on the cross dying for our sin. Coming up in life is his resurrection out of the water, right? So, so that's the symbolism there. But it also talks about, um, uh, it says, for we have been united together in verse 5 in the likeness of his death. So, as odd, that seems so strange if you really contemplate that for a second. I mean, to, it says, we have been united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So, so we dying with him and rising with him were in his likeness. So, pre pretty, pretty amazing when you really think about that. I mean, I... I know me personally, I've, I don't know how many times I've read Romans, but um, 
this struck me this time. Like it just, it, it kind of said, Oh, wow. You know, I, every now and then you get kind of that epiphany, right? You're just, wow, a revelation. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's like, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Like we've died with him, but we've also risen with him. We all know that we know there's going to be a resurrection. We understand that. But if, for some reason, when I was reading this, it kind of just hit me in a different, different light, I guess, realizing yeah. that, you know, that should bring comfort to us knowing that our sin has been buried with him, right? That even though this flesh is corrupt and it's going to go to ashes, you know, eventually, that isn't, that shouldn't bring us sadness. That's actually joy because we realize we have broken free from the bondage, the slavery we had to the flesh because of what the spirit has done. So, now that again, we're gonna we're gonna get into this in a second here. This isn't a license to sin, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But but what we're saying is right. this this doesn't bring guilt anymore. It doesn't bring shame anymore. It does bring or condemnation, but it does let the conscience ring so that you're aware of the sin, but we're not to be mm -hmm. drowned in the sin anymore. We need we need to be able to we actually we need to be able to forgive ourselves, which sometimes is the hardest thing to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's the carnal mind wants to do do the deeds of the law, and when we break it, we we feel guilt, we feel guilt and shame. However, if, yeah, I, I feel like if I talk any more about it, we're going to be kind of jumping ahead of ourselves because yeah. it all yeah. kind of goes into some of this. So let's uh, let's refrain and, and continue, and then it will become clear. Can you see verse fifteen? Uh, 15. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I'm there. <laughs> okay. okay. Verse 15. Sorry. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. The King James says, God forbid. I like that. It's yeah. a little stronger, but, um, verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are the one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked, though you were slaves of sin, slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set, having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Um, want to continue? Uh, let's finish it out and then we'll discuss it, yeah. Okay. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, uh, slave, that word slave. So in the Greek, it's doulos, and it can mean a slave by um, somebody else's will over you, putting you in bondage. 
But in this case, it's actually a good thing because it's 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 a metaphor, a metaphor for saying that we have become servants of the most high. So we, we willingly submitted to his his authority and we have given ourselves over to him to be servants of the most high. So in this case, it's not whips and chains and bondage. It's actually freedom. Even though in our, you know, in our vernacular, slavery always has negative connotations. But in this one, it's actually a positive thing to be a slave of Jesus Christ because we are servants. We're not, we're not being, um, God is not exerting his will over our will. He's allowing us to come to him freely. So that's his, that's his you know, grace, mercy, and love. Um, and so when we understand that, then the, the obedience part of our walk with him isn't done begrudgingly, right? Because he's making us do something. It's because the mutual love between us and him uh, ultimately makes us want to do those things for him and unto him and give him the glory for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and notice in verse 17, the end of verse 17, it says, yet you, you have, yet you obeyed from the heart. And, it, and, and this is key. It says the, that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. So all of this teaching that Paul has given, uh, and, and of course, Jesus Christ uh, himself uh, taught throughout the Gospels as well. And the spirit is leading Paul to write these things. But it's that form of doctrine to which you delivered. And that word form is kind of like setting us in a mold in a, in a to be molded in that that liquid comes in and it forms the mold that it wants, right? And then it hardens and it becomes a perfect mold of what was produced or what was intended to be produced. And so Paul is saying, because you believed here, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the teaching of Jesus Christ, um, the scripture says, if anyone calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be saved, right? So it's the doctrine, the teachings of Christ that lead to righteousness and obedience in him, right? And that's what this right. verse is saying in verse 17. Right. Um, that's why false doctrine and false teaching is so important to weed out and to, um, you know, to examine these teachings uh, just because it's, you know, the church or whatever you grew up in or your, or your mother or your father's church or whomever, it's very important to study the scriptures to show yourself approved so that you can turn and tell whether or not that form of doctrine, which Paul is talking here, is the right doctrine, is in Jesus Christ alone who saves. Absolutely. 100%. Um, you know, another uh, interesting thing here is um, when it talks about fruit. 21, it says, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? So in our former lives, we thought we were producing good fruit. In actuality, we were pr producing rotten fruit, right, that would never benefit us or anybody else. Um, and, it, and you can kind of bring that right back to the garden, right? When, when, Adam, when uh, Adam and Eve are deceived, what does the serpent offer? He offers them the fruit, right? And in the fruit, God already told them, don't touch it, avoid it. But yet, uh, Satan... Well, he didn't say don't touch it. He said don't eat it. Don't eat of it. <laughs> That's true. Good point. Right um, but, but, but Lucifer, what does Lucifer do? He entices them with the beauty of it. 
right? Right. And says, oh, just go ahead. It's, you know, no big deals. Paraphrasing, obviously. Um, for eating, yes. Yeah. And so that fruit, it, it's interesting that that's, that's what uh, Paul uses here, or what, you know, um, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak of fruit again, right? Because we always say that's how you're going to know a Christian by their by the, their fruits. What are they bearing, right? And so we go back, and this goes all the way back to the garden with the fruit. And that fruit was good in in its essence until it was eaten, right? Because their eyes were open after that. So in in that that same fruit is the fruit of deception when we were walking in our former lives before Christ. We were following passions and and lusts of the flesh you know, less of this world. And we thought it was so enticing. We had to take a bite of it over and over and over again to, to get self-gratification. It was, it's always selfish is you know, sin. And it pleased us to do that. And, and we didn't even know it was actually killing us. We didn't even know it was harming us. It was poison. So, but now when we've given our lives to Jesus Christ, now that the the fruit is his spirit living in us producing things that are good and things that are beneficial and 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 uh, benefiting the body of christ with him being the head of us so it's it's an interesting dichotomy to see that 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 fruit was so rotten but yet we thought it tasted so good right and right right. And, and now we know like now it's easy to see you know when that we were so deceived by that Yes. And this, you know, now that we walk in his, his glorious light, I don't, it's just, um, such a, such an odd dichotomy, but so true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was listening to, um, a brother, uh, speaking on Romans, well, the whole book of Romans, actually. And one of the things that, uh, really spoke to me too, was the law of reaping and sowing. Right. And so the scripture here is talking about, um, Paul is saying, for if you put for just as you presented your members as slaves to uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, um, he says, now present your members as slaves of righteousness, right, for holiness. And so the scripture says, whatever a man soweth, that shall he reap. And we realize that, you know, one of the points he made was that when you sow, you sow in the spring and the harvest comes in the fall or, or whichever no, I'm not a farmer, but I know it takes a while for that <laughs> yeah. harvest to come forth, right? And it, it's the same way with sin. You know, you can sow to sin so much for selfishness and pleasure, like you said, and it may not, the consequences of that may not come for a time, but be sure that your sin will find you out, the Bible says, and that that harvest of sin will indeed come forth, and the consequences will be more than what you thought you had sowed in. It's like a seed. When you sow into a ground in the, in the ground, whenever you sow the seed, the harvest is much more than you get from the seed that you sowed, right? Right. So God is telling us that if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap the whirlwind, as it says in parts of others uh, of the scripture. But if we sow to please the spirit, then that fruit that it's produced from that will be though. A far a time off if we study the scripture if we meditate if we pray if we do the things that god says to do when we sow that seed the fruit of that becomes a long-lasting harvest for our own souls mm. yeah so, 
Very I good. just thought that really, you know, appealed to me thinking about this well, here. The only thing that upsets me a little bit about that is that you ran off with somebody else studying Romans and didn't even ask. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. I knew it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So wages of sin. Think about that. You, you were actually, you and I were actually working for death. <laughs> we, were, we were working all day long. And when I say working, we were sinning and we were earning a wage, but that wage was leading us to death, mm-hmm. right to the very door. And then the door was going to open up and we, deception, the ultimate deception would be become our reality in the end. That door would open up and we'd realize we found ourselves in, in a place we did not want to go. Mm-hmm. But, and, and, you know, you think about that, like, you know, just all of us have jobs and work and we make money and we have to pay bills and all these things. But, but the wage is usually a good thing. I mean, that helps support life and support our families and, and all that thing. But in this, in this case, the wage was actually a detriment. It was actually le- mm-hmm. pulling us down. And, yeah. it, and it was, and it was, and, and, and ultimately, um, our sin, which Jesus redeemed us from, right? He, he redeemed us from the curse of sin. That was, that was a payment. That was, re, you know, redeemed has to do with money, right? Redemption. He bought us back. So we were earning our way to hell, but yet he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to step in and I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to buy you back. I mean, I, that's just so, so amazing. I mean, if, if that isn't love and grace, I don't know what is. I mean, that's just, it's for, for someone to step in and buy me, knowing the way, you know, I used to think and, and act and the things I did and knowing that he still wanted to buy me, you know, on a, like I was on a shelf and he says, no, no, no. I like that. This is an, a precious antique that I want to buy. Right. You know, all of us are precious in his sight. All of us are, are unique gems, right? unique pieces of, of jewelry or unique pieces of art um, because we're made in his image and he doesn't want to lose any one of us. Mm-hmm. And just like you yes. or I, we would do anything for our kids. You know, we would lay our own lives yeah. down for them. And, um, and what he did is just, you know, you, you can't calculate it. It's, it's, in, it's incalculable. It's, it's infinite, eternal. So yeah, that the wages, you know, I never, again, this is another one of those things I've read it a million times, but I didn't really think about it until just now. It kind of struck me like, wow, yeah, that's, you are earning death, <laughs> you know, thinking, thinking yeah. you were living it up and having a great time and wow, I'm a good person. I'm going to go to heaven at the end. And it was actually the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. We would all be lost without him and in our sins and, and oh, man, it's, it's actually when you read it as a born again believer and you see these things, you can almost cry because the Lord, the Lord's gift that that scripture speaks of the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I mean, that it's, it's, it's priceless. You know, people know, I, I think as the natural man, you, you read these things and it means nothing. It just blows off your head. But, as the man born again and, and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, those things are so exciting and joyful that, um, you know, it's overwhelming. It can be overwhelming when you really set your mind on it and you can just weep and weep because of the love of Christ and what he's done for us. So I heard, uh, I was watching a sh- uh, podcast yesterday and they had a guy in that wrote a book about, um, 
Oh, you there? You there? A little uh, lag going on. Okay, sorry. sorry. Um, I'm here. Okay, good. Yeah. Mine. Uh, so I was I was watching a podcast yesterday, and it was a guy that had actually uh, died when he was an atheist, and the Lord brought him to hell. Okay. But he he didn't have to stay there. He walked him through, and he got to witness the the just the torment of it all, and the, the different you know dungeons or cells, whatever you want to call it, and just just the agony of that place. But he said the one thing that you know overwhelmed him, other than that there was no hope there, right? No love, no hope, was that mm -hmm. each person that was there knew they they were supposed to be there, but even in that place they wouldn't repent. That's how how corrupt mm. their personhood was, right? Their their um, their spirit. It was so dead that right. they they wouldn't even even then they would not call on the name. Even if Jesus showed up right in front of them, they still would not not submit to him. That's how mm -hmm. how much their pride had taken over. I thought that was pretty stunning to me. I'm actually going to try to get that guy on my show. I want to have him. I think I'm going to send him a email and see if I can get him on for an interview. Very interesting. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean it it you know the 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 irony of that is we can somewhat see that in people nowadays that won't repent. You know, the mm -hmm. scripture talks about that, but even if you see somebody who's full of pride, um, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs, if you correct a wise man, you know, um he will listen. Um you correct a proud man or a scorner. Um, what he'll he'll mock you and, and scoff at it, right? So uh it's amazing that simple things even now uh people won't repent from because of their pride. I mean, you can't even correct some of these people nowadays and say, Hey, that's wrong. Oh, you're judging, only God can judge me. Well, you know, God is going to judge you, but you would want to heed correction if you were wise. Um, and it's it's like you said, it's amazing that as you're in eternal fire and without hope that the depth of that depravity and pride would lead someone to still curse the name of the Lord and not repent. And, you know, that, that, that blows my mind as well. I'm not, yeah. uh, just thank God for his gift of repentance as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it's amazing. You know, I've heard other testimonies very similar and uh, it's all biblical. I mean, you can, he, he quoted so many scriptures, just, um, right. basically saying what he had seen and witnessed and heard. And oh, it's yeah. just, it's such an, it's, it's amazing too. Just like you said, like that, you could literally be that turned, that, that turned over that, what, how do I say this? You're, you're turned over to your sin that much mm -hmm. that that has become your God and that you would never submit to, a, to the real God you'll submit to the sin rather than him. Yeah. Unfathomable. Yeah. That's, that's a debased, that's a debased mind. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You said <laughs> it right on the nose, brother, because it's, it's something we can't even contemplate really because I don't know. I, I hate to even think of that, but yeah. You know. Well, thank, thank God we don't have to, <laughs> you know, we're out for our personal, I mean, obviously we're evangelizing and trying to help others avoid that place, but you know, right. I, we, we have, uh, what is it in Isaiah? It says, um, oh, death, where is your sting? Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, that sting of death is gone because we, our assurance is in him, not in our own works, not in our own good deeds. It's in what he did. His righteousness has covered us and taken us out of that awful place we were heading 
and brought us into his his kingdom, which is just absolutely, you know, absolutely. It's it's amazing. And if anybody's watching uh, this broadcast here and is kind of wondering what we're talking about, I just want to say that Christ rose from the dead physically, literally, and in history. And so these things that we have a hope in now, because Christ said that if he is raised, we will be raised also. Paul said, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then our faith is in vain, basically. Our faith is, we're among the most, what was the word he used? We're among the most... Um, um uh defy uh hated right or what i forgot the word is but yeah um, i can't remember the word despised despised, despised or, uh, thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah so you know these things that we're talking about here is all based on that form of doctrine christ rose from the dead we believe that in faith even though we weren't there we have historical records to prove and to show that it was claimed and it was seen among many men. And so we, our testimony is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul here is actually bringing forth more understanding of what that means to us as it relates to sin, as it relates to our the way we think. And the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he goes. So if we believe this and we think it to be true and know it to be true, we walk in it, which is called walking in the spirit. And I just wanted to put that out there just in case somebody tuned in late or is sounding like gibberish to people. I'm not sure. But if your mind is closed, if you have not believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ yet, these things will indeed sound foolish to you. So. Well done. That's all I got to say, brother. Oh, that was good. All right. Seven. Want me to read or are you going to read? Uh, it's up to you, brother. I don't mind at all. Go ahead. Can you see it? All right. Verse seven. I'm sorry. Chapter seven. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Scroll down just a little bit, brother. Nope. The other oh, way. Other way? Sorry. Uh, yeah, that's good. For the woman who has a husband is bound by law by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law or from the law so that she is no longer an adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death, which is what Brother Gino was speaking of earlier. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by. So that we should serve in newness, in the newness of the spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. So um, I think this is important to make this point. It says uh, in verse four, it says, "Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ." Now, this body of Christ is talking about his physical body that was crucified on the cross. 
This is not the church he's referring to here. Because in the very next verse, he says, or in the next uh, part of the sentence, he says that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So he, what Paul's, the point Paul's making here is he says, listen, you already know the law. He's speaking to Jews here. You guys already know the law about marriage. It's, it's not adultery. If, if the husband or the wife die and they remarry, that's not adultery. They've become, because that's, um, uh, that would be the um, righteous way of, of moving on to the next relationship. Anything outside of that was unrighteous. Mm-hmm. But, so Paul's saying, okay, look, Jesus's body is basically, he's, he's, he's showing it through marriage. He's giving him a metaphor. He went up on the cross. He was crucified. He died. But then he rose again on the third day, right? On that third day, now we who were lost, we who were adulteresses and adulterers, right? Because we were outside of the faith. Now we have access to a new marriage in him, in his resurrected body, because he overcame death. He overcame sin. He put it to death once and for all. So, you know, I know I, it, it can get confusing for some of us because it's his body of Christ. And we know that the body of Christ is also the church. But in this case, he's actually talking about the physical body of Jesus. Just want to make that point. Amen. That's a good point to make, brother. That's very good. Uh, let's see. For when we were in the flesh, verse 5, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Okay, that's what we talked about in uh, chapter 6 a little bit at the end there. But again, uh, it's, it's interesting. It says, see, our sinful passions, our lusts, right, our, were aroused. They were, they were enhanced by the law. And not because we understood the law. It's because a law that uh, even if you're unaware of the law, the law still exists. For instance, gravity. We all live by gravity every single day, and not one of us probably even thought about it today. Right, but if if I started floating off the ground, <laughs> or I dropped something and it started right. floating, we would instantly recognize, "Oh my gosh, what's going on?" And right. and so we just like that, just for take taking goodness for granted and righteousness for granted, we were aroused by that because it's it fed our selfish desires. But the law still existed; the law was still there, whether we knew it or not. That's why God gave it to Moses to 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 be a tutor to those that didn't know that there even was such a thing, right? Even though it existed, he brought it in, he manifested it to human beings so that humans could see it and and be without excuse. Mm -hmm. It wasn't to make us better. We weren't going to get better. We were already in a depraved state heading, heading straight to hell. It was, it was to show us, you guys are sinners. You're not like me at all. And if you want to, if you want to enter my kingdom, I'm going to have my son die and rise again for you. And then you're, you're, you can be restored by faith in him, trust in him. And then I'll raise you up just like I raised him up. So I think that's, that's um, such a key thing, you know, to, to our faith, to understanding that and how, and, and how sin is such an offense to a holy God. You know, I think we just kind of blow it off. Sometimes we think, ah, oh, well, it's just, just this little thing, you know, but it's, I, I forgot what, uh, what book it's in, but he says it makes him want to vomit, right? It right. makes God want to throw up. That's how disgusting it is to him. It's putrid. Mm. Yes. Okay, so verse 7. 
It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would have not, sorry, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just as good. So, yeah, he's reiterating what we, we just talked about here before. He's it, it provoked him. It produced in him more evil because it because it's the flesh and the law are contrary. They, they don't go together. It's impossible. The flesh is corrupt. The law is perfect. And, and that's, that's the symbolism of what we've become now as born-again Christians. When we were born again, it wasn't your flesh that was renewed. That has to be renewed daily through your mind. But your spirit became a new man, a new creation in Christ. And now the war began, <laughs> right? Between, between your spirit and your flesh, they are constantly battling, boom, 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 all day long. And that's, that's that raging war that continues until our resurrection. You know, we're going to have some really good, good days where we feel holy, you know, righteous. And there's going to be some days where we're just like, oh, boy, man, did I fail? You know, or did I, why did I say that word? Or why did I think that thought? Or, you know, whatever. And, and it's not to make us feel guilty. Again, it's not, not condemning. It's not to be ashamed anymore. That's been taken away by Christ on the cross. But it, but it does it does, um, it should produce in us better fruit because we realize how evil our flesh is. It, uh, the Bible says what our spirit is willing, but the, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Right? right. And so understanding that when we're walking as close as we can in the spirit, we are going to produce fruit. But if we start getting selfish and full of lust and chasing after the things of this world, it's going to lead us the opposite direction. And you're going to, you're going to start feeling down. You might feel depressed. Um, doesn't mean, doesn't mean you've lost your salvation at that point. You can walk away from it. I'm not saying you can't, but I'm saying it at that point, it's just, it's, it's, it's your conscience nudging you saying, Hey, 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 come on, let me help you. Let, mm -hmm. let the Holy spirit walk with you and guide you and lead you into righteousness, not our own righteousness, his. Amen. 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 Yeah. And that's, uh, and that, like you said, that's a daily, the, the importance of that to understand this form of doctrine, right? Um, it's very key, it's very fundamental um, in the sense that we battle the flesh daily. We can give in to those thoughts, those enticements that the enemy and our flesh will bombard us with, or those desires that might creep up if you allow the wrong thing into your eye gate, right? Um, the Bible says that the light of the body is the eye. And so a lot of times we struggle with things because we focused or we've looked at things or we've put our ears to something that we shouldn't have. And in that process, the enemy 
tempts us through those things, right? Those things become more enticing or they become more, um, what's the word? They become more common, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we allow those things to become common. The Bible says um, to love the Lord, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Some things that have become so common, evil is such a common thing now in our society. And people have called things that were evil good, that are evil good, and those things that are good evil. And so there's such a time of confusion and common commonality in evil, in perverseness, in wickedness, and in lawlessness, that these things are so commonly acceptable by the masses that we're bound uh, in the sense it's not bound to do it, but we're bound in a sense to see it or hear it continually. And if we don't make moves to walk in the spirit so that we won't fulfill those lusts that are constantly bombarding us in thought, in word, and in action. So we got to be careful. Um, but again, we come back to the scriptures and we meditate on the scriptures so that we can cast those things down in our minds and walk in the flesh. And if we forgotten to do it on a particular day thank god that there are brand new mercies every day every morning with the lord and those who are in jesus christ exactly 100 <laughs> percent uh you know verse 10 says in the commandment which was to bring life i found to bring death um we know that jesus fulfilled the law and when he fulfilled the law uh the, the law was a reflection of his very nature. And when Jesus became human, he, he bore the weight of humanity by taking all of our sin upon himself because he had no sin. He was the only one that could be the perfect sacrifice. So he took all of our sin upon himself and he became, the, the commandment became, the, the law um, became a weight upon his shoulders and crushed him on the cross because he was bearing all of our sin. So uh, Paul says, and the commandment, which was to bring life, because that, that is what it does. The, if, if, if we can walk a perfect life, the commandment is life, because it's a reflection of who God is. But because we, we failed miserably, Jesus became the perfect human being without sin and, and fulfilled the commandments, and now he is the way, the truth, and the life. So he became life for us by suffering and rising again. So the weight that Paul was feeling by that commandment was because his flesh could not bear it. It's impossible for the flesh to fulfill the law. Jesus had to fulfill the law so that he could become our life. And that's, that's an important thing to know because I know I've, I've heard this so many times. There's a lot of guilt in the church, a lot of Christians feeling down and out, and they don't like to talk about it because they feel like they're, they're not a good Christian. Okay, well, let me, let me help you out. There is no such thing as a good Christian, okay? We're all sinners saved by his grace. And so understanding that, understanding that we're all in the same fishbowl together, swimming in our sin, being set free by his grace and his love is what has lifted us out of this mire, this muck. And him doing that, um, we, we need to get it in our, in our heads that, yes, we are evil in our flesh, but this, this inner man, 
this inner person that's been renewed by him. That's the part that needs to grow. That's the part that's going to, that's, that's going to produce the fruit, right? We talked about that a little bit earlier. So when we understand that, and the only reason I'm bringing this up again is because I've heard this so many times. What I've noticed just in teaching and talking with people, they are weighed down by their sins so often that it keeps them from producing. It keeps, they sit on their hand and say, well, I can't do anything because I'm a sinner. Of course you're a sinner. God only uses sinners because that's all we have here. But we're saved by his grace. And I did the same thing. I sat on my hands forever. And I kept saying, well, Lord, I know you want me to do this, but I'm such a sinner. And I, and I, and I, I didn't, I said the wrong word yesterday. And I said this and I, and, I, and then he finally just, I mean, he had to shake me and say, uh, of course you are. I already know this, <laughs> but I love you. And I've put, produced uh, I've put in you skills and talents that I need you to use to reach others. And I, I just feel like I have to say this because there's, I know there's so many people that are bogged down by their flesh and don't realize that they need to live through the spirit to overcome the flesh. You can't do it the opposite. It doesn't work that way. It's never going to work that way. It's only going to bring, it's only going to make you feel condemned and guilty. So I, I don't know. I feel like I'm speaking to someone that's going to watch this. That's the only reason I said that. So go ahead, brother. Yeah. No, I mean, good point, brother. And, and I would say to those same people, um, we've all been there. Um, I've been there. <laughs> I've been there in the faith. And again, that's why one of the reasons why I mentioned the earlier verse that um, we must die daily and there are brand new mercies. God gives brand new mercies daily to those that believe in him. And so as we walk in the spirit, as we meditate on this word, as we allow God's word to set in us, as we allow the spirit of God to dwell in these bodies, and what we think on is some of the things that will start manifesting the either the fruit of righteousness or the sin, the fruit of pleasure and the fruit of all of these other things that we've been accustomed to as the natural man. So the scripture admonishes us to study the scriptures so that we can believe, right? Uh, remember the man that uh, Jesus was speaking to, and uh, he had his, I believe he had his, I think it was his daughter, if I'm not mistaken. And he saw all the, the he, may have heard, he may have heard or seen the miracles that Jesus did, and Jesus asked him, uh, you know, do you believe? And the man said, yeah, yeah, I believe, I believe. And then he got a hold of himself and his good mind started kicking in. He said, help my unbelief. <laughs> you know, you know, a lot of times we can say things because we want something from it, right? We want to, we want to get something produced. We want something done for us and we can say things in haste, but really, you know, Jesus knows that our thoughts, <laughs> Jesus knows our heart. <laughs> God knows all these things. So we really need to really examine ourselves and say, okay, what are we doing with what Christ has given us? Are we meditating on the word? Are we watching TV all day and allowing Satan's word to come in us and influence us, right? Because what does the Bible talk about? Idol, idol, idol chat. Idol mind, um, yep. Yeah, <laughs> and so we, I realize we, we do so many things that don't lead to sowing in the spirit we don't that that sowing into the fruit of righteousness we sow into the flesh in so many things and that's usually why we're bogged down with sin that's usually why we're thinking on our past sins 
continually or we haven't forgiven ourselves, as you mentioned earlier, um, because we're not thinking on the scriptures. We're not. The Bible tells us to think on these things. And most Christians, you know, we go to church on Sunday and we get a message from our pastor and we spend very little time in the word. And that is what battles the flesh. You know, that is that helmet of salvation, right? Um, if we don't pick up the sword of the spirit, then we don't have an offensive weapon to fight the darts, the arrows of the enemy when he comes at us, because he's constantly doing these things to cause us to go back to our former lives, to go back to the flesh and pleasing the flesh. And it's a battle. But again, if we, if we don't, forgive me for that. That was my phone. I forgot <laughs> to turn it down. If we don't um, meditate on the scriptures and get the scriptures in us so that we can believe God, it's not just believing that Christ rose from the dead, even though that's what is salvation, right? Believing that Christ rose from the dead. However, is the righteousness of God being produced in you because you're allowing Christ to teach you in all things, right? We, we lack this so much. Um, you've heard the statistics before about Christians who read their Bibles or Christians who, um, you know, actually believe <laughs> that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. You know, you have so many that just believe, yeah, they believe they might believe Christ rose from the dead out of their mouth, but with their heart, they may believe that, but other portions of the Bible, they don't believe or accept. So we got to be careful to believe and know what the truth is about God, Christ, his son, the spirit of God, and what his will is for us and to do in us by his spirit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I always feel like I have to add a disclaimer, and I think I'm going to right here because uh -oh. there is I a. I already did the disclaimer. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it maybe a little shorter and to the point. It's there's a distinction between um, stumbling daily in sin and practicing sin. There's a very big distinction there, and if if you're practicing a sin, a vice of yours that's where you need to come to Jesus and say, I need your help to break free of this practicing, you know, that I'm doing on this, whatever the specific sin might be in your own life. Um, we all have shortcomings. We all have uh, failure. We all have these, these little things that um, distract besetting us, sins. That's besetting sins. Um, but if it's something that becomes where your conscience is being dulled or seared, uh, as the Bible says, uh, you're in danger of self, of losing salvation. And I'm this, there's, <laughs> I'm not going down that road, but the, I, you can walk away from the faith by thinking that your sin, that sin, whatever you're chasing after um, is just going to be forgiven because, you know, God, God has forgiven everything. It's like trampling his blood for a second time. Mm -hmm. So we need to be very, very careful. We're not practicing sin, but that the struggle is still real and that we're fighting against it with, with the Holy Spirit's help. I just wanted to make that clear because I, it's not a license. We don't have a license to sin. We never have a license to sin. God hates sin. He he'll always hate sin. Absolutely. So. That's a good point, brother. I mean, I'm glad you made it. I, I'm, I'm the one usually making that disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to the punch. <laughs> it's just so true though. I mean, I know like, you know, there's the hyper grace crowd and there's, you know, then you got to predestine. I mean, I'm not trying to come down on any any one side here i'm just saying like biblically this is what we know i mean it's it's obvious 
Uh, I think it's in First John. It says, you know, don't sin anymore. Well, he's not he's not talking about stumbling. He's talking about practicing a sin. He's saying mm -hmm. follow in that sin as if it's your God. Sin should never be our God, right? right. If we if we That's claim we're we're Christians, so yeah. Okay, onward. Uh, let's see. Where did we have? Uh, are we on thirteen or seven? Seven. Yes. No. Thirteen. 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 Yep. Yes. Okay. All right, continuing. He, I'm sorry, has then what is good become death to me. He's talking about the law here, getting back. Um, certainly not, but sin that it might appear as sin was producing death in me through what is good. Scroll down, please. This way or this up? <laughs> Other way. That's why sorry. Yeah, is that it's, up for you? Yeah, it's <laughs> that's okay. All right. So certainly not, but sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what am I? For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I, for what I will to do. That I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If, then, I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. I think I need to repeat that. Mm -hmm. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not do, I will not to do. That is what I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present within me. The one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law working in my members. I'm, I'm mixing up uh, the King James. And yeah, King James right yeah. Now. Sorry, I'm adding words to this is the new King James that I'm reading. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Yeah, that's a good, Isn't good, that, good, good, good. Yeah, and it's so, I mean, <laughs> this is when you know the word of God is the manual of life. I mean, it's just, that describes every one of us. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, to a T, you just, you just, we all, especially if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you understand what he's talking about. You get it. Yes. Yes. Right. I mean, you totally know like Paul and this is Paul, right? We, we, some of us, we hold Paul up on this like pedestal. Oh, he was, you know, most people would say he was one of the, the greatest apostle of all. And, but yet he was a man. He was a mm -hmm. fallen man gripped by sin and struggling just like we do. And probably even more. I mean, you know, he's traveling town to town. He's preaching the gospel. Who knows what kind of um, 
you know, women maybe throwing themselves at him, uh, the different uh, cultures he was entering, the different sins that were going on in those cultures. So he's being subjected mm-hmm. to this stuff as he's traveling. And he had, and he's, he's realizing, oh my gosh, I, I'm, <laughs> I need to fight harder. Right. I, I need to like, the struggle is real. And, and yet he's, and yet he's getting, he's even saying, oh, wretched man that I am. I, you know, this, this is, this is so hard. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm failing more than I'm, than I'm winning. Right. I mean, he's, he's got this war inside him raging and he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the only one that delivers us. There is no other way. You're never going to do it. You're never going to build up enough good deeds to get out of it. Because, because actually at your conception, you were already a sinner. It's already, it's, it's, it's a disease that is in us at our conception and in our mother and in our father and in their mother and their father. And there, you know, it goes, it's, it's, you can't get rid of it. It's a stain. Mm-hmm. And and at no amount of Clorox is going to get that stain out, right? Or or uh, gain or whatever that you know whatever the latest one is. It's it's <laughs> that stain is stuck there until you have Jesus come in and remove it. And it's mm-hmm. and and I think it's so because we're fallen. It's so easy to just kind of sit back and go, well, you know, I'm still better than my neighbor, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Or I'm I'm mm-hmm. better than the guy at work, or you know, or or wow, I didn't even sin today, you know, and you probably did and just didn't even know it because it's so, mm-hmm. it becomes so routine for us. Right. Do you remember, and this is kind of a side note. Do you remember we were at a Bible study? Uh, I think it was at your house and there was a guy and I, I remember his name. I won't mention it here. Okay. Um, and um, he, he kept, he was staring at me the whole night and I kept thinking, what is he what is going on here? I was getting a little creeped out by it. <laughs> and, you know, and then I, he kind of called me out in the middle. I started, you know, teaching something. I forgot what it was, something about sin. And he says, how do we even know you're a Christian? And he, he got real mad at me. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He says, he says, how do we even know you've been baptized? And at that point, I hadn't been baptized. And I told him, I says, you know, to be honest, I haven't been water baptized. I said, but is it water baptism that gets me saved? And he said, yes. And that started a big debate, but what it led to was he kept saying how he was so proud that he hadn't sinned in three days. <laughs> I remember he was preaching to us. Uh, oh, do you remember? I, I do remember now. That wasn't at my house, though. That was at uh. That was at your your cousin's house, I think. Wasn't it your cousin? There was a bunch of guys there. It was about thirty guys at night. And he kept bragging yeah, about over there. We stayed over there to about. That, we morning, did. Uh, we did. Talking to those guys. Yeah, I remember that. I and I remember, that. I remember telling him, he says, I haven't sinned in three. I said, boy, it sounds like you got a lot of pride. Isn't that a sin? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, uh, and then finally at the end of the night, he kind of like, you know, we, we talked to him and it, it sounded like, you know, a lot of his doctrines were just way off. Um, and it sounded like. There yeah. Was some, yeah. Some, I do. You did bring yeah. that back to memory. You, yeah. And then, and then I heard him on. He was on the Bob Duco show, like a, maybe a month or two later, and he was back to his old tricks. Oh, wow. <laughs> so oh, I don't, wow. I don't know what ever happened to him, but but that reminded yeah, me I of don't this. Even remember his name? I, I do. It was started with a J, actually. <laughs> okay, all right. You have to yeah. tell me. All I'll tell that. you after. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it was. Okay. It's funny because this reminds me of him. But but he was so full of pride that he didn't even understand that that was a sin. He was so full of himself and how he hadn't sinned, but yet he was already in sin. And see, we can't escape it. It's already in us. It's that's what Paul's saying. He says the flesh 
is corrupt. You can't fix it until the resurrection. So we have to deal with it. <laughs> it's yeah. like this, this dirty garment we're wearing, right? Over this, this new creation inside. And, and it's, it's just hideous, but we, we have to deal with it. And we have to put it in subjection all the time. Crucify the flesh, crucify the flesh, right? Yes. And, and if you don't, it just starts running rampant and sinning more. That's its yeah. nature. Yeah. One of the things that that just brought up, and I believe the spirit of God, you know, kind of quickened me to say this, but it reminds me how, you know, if you're a sinner, when we sin, just like in the beginning of the garden, the first thing Adam and Eve did after they sinned was hide, right? And so they hid from God, mm. whatever, wherever they hid, they covered themselves with fig leaves, the Bible says, and wherever else they tried to go hide behind a bush or a tree, whatever, we don't know. But the fact of the matter is they tried to hide from the all-seeing God who knows everything, and he exposed them as gently as he could even then. He says, where are you? Like, he didn't know where he was, where they were, you know. And But God does those things for our benefit, right, to test us and to uh, bring us to a point of acknowledging the fact that he knows all things and that we are sinful. And it happened in the garden, and it even happens today where even the, the Bible talks about the gospel being foolishness to those who are perishing, right? Right. So we know Jesus Christ dying on the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing for our sins. I get it. But even this scripture right here, everybody knows this. Like the natural man can get this. That's true. Like we were saying earlier, it's yep. not hard to understand. Yep. All you got to do is be honest with yourself and you'll see that war in your mind and the things that you do. Paul saying, Paul saying, I don't understand this. You know, he's trying to get it across to us. What am I doing? What's wrong with me? <laughs> if we can put it in today's vernacular, right? You know, and, and it's so, it, let me, sorry. It, I just, when you said it, it reminded me of something. Anybody that's tried to diet <laughs> understands yes. that the flesh is weak. Anybody that's yes. tried to diet, right? That's just something simple. Great, great analogy. <laughs> great analogy. Yeah, that's perfect right there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, say no more about that because that is a perfect analogy. All of us can relate to that. Um, you know, and even the one, two percent of the people that can't, you know, whatever, you can relate to trying to gain weight, then who knows? But right, right. The point of the matter is, it's the funny thing is, is like, you know, everyone can understand, a kid can understand this, right? So it brings the law, and that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the law. What God said, do not covet, do not steal, do not lie, obey your parents. I mean, all these things in the law and the rest of the law, we can see that we struggle with. And if you're, this is how it has to do with the proud and the humble. You know, if you aren't being transparent, if you aren't, if you are still hiding behind the mask of your sin, and sin causes us to hide, don't get don't get me wrong. Nobody wants to just say, oh, yeah, I've, I've done this great sin today. And no one is like that. OK, right. our defense mechanisms cause us to hide our pride in ourselves and not wanting to be exposed causes us to hide. But Christ brings a spirit, the Holy Spirit in you, and he makes you into a new creation. Old things have passed away. And the scripture says, behold, all things have become new. But what's become new? Not all things in a sense of, 
you know, oh, I'm still struggling with this sin. That hasn't become new yet, right? But what has become new is the fact that now you are mentally aware and clearly know that without Christ, it's impossible. And now you have a spirit that Christ has put in you to walk in those things that you know to be true and war with, war against the flesh that continually tells you to do wrong. And right. that's the blessing of the scripture here. Uh, Paul is being honest. He's being transparent. Yeah, if you look later on in the, in the writings of Paul, he'll tell you uh, when, when, the, when the other apostles um, and some of these men were going against Paul, trying to discredit him, he would tell him how blameless he was, right? He had how he lived before them blamelessly. And the scripture <laughs> says we can do that. But Paul here is also being extremely transparent and showing the things that he struggled with before his accusers came. And I think that's just important to make because we're not perfect, even though the scripture tells us to be perfect. We do wrestle with the flesh, but thank God Jesus Christ has come into our hearts and minds right. and gives us power to live by the things that he commands. You know, that blameless, uh, Noah was blameless in his generation, right? Mm -hmm. Remember, and, and that doesn't mean he was without right. sin. It just right. means his heart was towards God, right? He, mm -hmm. His heart, see, it's always about the heart. Right. If the heart is turned towards him and we're, we're worshiping him with, with all, or we're trying to live for him with all of our mind, our will, our emotions, we're trying to live for him in our strengths and our weaknesses, everything, all, everything in us is chasing after him and we're stumbling, at least we're pointed, we're still pointing north. The, the compass is still pointing north. If, right. if that ever leaves, if, if that's, um, will of yours, the heart turns and becomes callous and just says, well, you know, I, I'll get to it a little later. And then it, it, then it grows harder and harder and harder. Before you know it, it's just callous to the point where it needs to be chiseled back to that, that soft flesh that he made it when, when you were born again. And we don't want it to Absolutely. get to that point. We're trying to avoid that. Yes. So that's why we're told to renew our mind daily. That's why we're told to be transformed in him so that we, we stay pliable in his hands, right? We're like clay and he can still form us every day. And so we Amen. bear fruits. Mm. So that's, that's just, you know, I, I think that's what Paul's saying, you know, we're, we're putting it in modern day terms, so to speak, but you know, it, it was, it's the same fight. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if it was 2000 years ago. It's the same issues. That's right. So. That's right. Amen, brother. Yep. Good study tonight, man. Good study. It was a good study. Love, was, love Romans. Yes, yes. Much more to go. And uh, it's a blessing, man, to hear it, to, to speak on it, to, to meditate on it, to to share it with others. You know, I mean, it's it's been a blessing to us both, man. Even I feel quickened by the spirit right now just going through it, man. And I tell you, with, with the late day that we got started in this thing, man, I was... Uh, I was feeling a little uh, <laughs> tired at first, and now I'm revived, man. I feel like I can stay up a couple more hours. So, <laughs> all, right, well, all right, I guess we're going to go on to Romans 8 and 9. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no, man. it was good stuff. Good stuff. All right, guys. Well, um, next week we'll be back. I don't, you on vacation next week, Jason? You flying anywhere or using those freaking flyer mouths? <laughs> wow. 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 This guy's on a, this guy's on vacation every other week. I wish I had his wow. life. <laughs> don't slander me right on TV, no, right I, on uh, YouTube, I, brother. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't know they don't know you. I do, so I can say whatever. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm probably one of the least in my at the job that I work at that take flights out. So probably probably fly probably. out maybe twice a year. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I said probably. That doesn't mean but... that I won't take advantage of it soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Why wouldn't you? I mean, if it's that part of the perks, right? Yeah, yeah, as well. for sure. Jason Jason works for an airlines company. We won't yeah. mention the name, but yeah, one of them. So, all right, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed this. Again, t- uh, the Lord says today is even the in that I still work for the King in that place. Amen, <laughs> amen. Uh, and I I know that for a fact. I know your heart. Um, so, listen. Today's the day of salvation. Don't wait to tomorrow if you haven't accepted Him in your life. We don't know what what tomorrow brings. We don't know what the next minute brings. So. You know, my prayer for you is that you will ask him into your life. You'll repent of your sin and just turn it over to him because you'll never, ever look back. It'll be the greatest decision of your life. So I pray that for you guys. Jason, love you, brother. And uh, we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good night.